Hey everyone, Jabez here from the Library Scoop, the official podcast of the Niles Main District Library. And for our episode, we will have Maggie from Paisley and Glue. She is a theater costume maker, educator, and cosplayer based in Chicago with over 10 years of professional experience making costumes for over 80 stage productions. And along with that, she is a presenter for our MakerFest this year. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, I'm Maggie from Paisley and Glue, and I am a costume maker based here in Chicago. And I both make costumes for theater productions and also do cosplay for myself and others. Fantastic. Welcome to the Library Scoop. Uh, For the audience who are listening uh, right now, can you give us a a brief description of what is cosplay? Yeah, sure. Uh, Cosplay stands for costume play. So that's what it's short for. And it's been around for a long time, but really over the last uh, 15 or 20 years, it's really become much more mainstream. And it's basically people either buying their own costumes or making their own costumes based on literally any fandom that you're interested in. It could be TV, film, book characters, things from art, literally anything could be your own creative original characters and wearing them. for photo shoots or going to various conventions or just hang out with your friends. And you can be in character, you cannot be in character. It's really all just about having fun. So there's no restrictions into like the fandom of costumes that you can make. No, literally not. I mean, it could be from The Simpsons, it could be from Lord of the Rings, it could be from Star Wars, it could be from a commercial that you saw that you thought was cool. It could really, there's no limits to it. Well, fantastic. It's just like, it's an opportunity just for everybody or whatever fan that you are. Right. Uh, But let's get to know you a little bit more. Uh, What is your uh, specialty? Uh, So based on my background as a theatrical costume maker, I sort of specialize in heavily sewn costumes. So I also make my own patterns. So it's a lot of, um, uh, detail-oriented, fairly complicated, complex things. Um, I used to create pretty much just for myself, but since COVID happened and I haven't had any work in theater, I've started taking commissions for others, and that's been really fun. What inspired you to get into costume making and to cosplay? So I went to school for this, so that's for theater costume making. So I started out in that, and I've always really love sort of nerd fandom, Star Wars and Star Trek and Lord of the Rings and all Harry Potter, things like that. And I had a friend I worked with in a theater costume shop who cosplayed sort of for a long time and she encouraged me to get started in it. And I went to a convention for the first time and really kind of fell in love with the whole thing and have gotten uh, pretty involved with the community since then. Cosplay, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's just like, it's a big phenomenon in the last three to five years. Uh, yeah. In your perspective, like, why is that, why is that the case? Um, I think with the advent of like Marvel movies and things like that becoming much more mainstream and accepted, it used to, you know, 20 years ago, you'd be like, oh, you're into comic books. Oh, it's kind of nerdy. You know, we don't think that that's cool. Um, it's super cool now. And people from all ages and backgrounds are, are into it. And so I think it was a natural transition for that to happen. Um, 
but it's been kind of incredible how popular cosplay has become. You're right, just over the last three or five years. And there's a lot of new products and things that are being marketed specifically to costume makers and cosplayers, which is really interesting. I don't know. It was just like with the Lord of the Rings and then now with Marvel and the DC universe now just integrating to more like storytelling. It's just like more boot. It just grew from there. So now I'm taking commissions for other people and creating YouTube content and um, sort of branching off into that until theater work starts up again, which is sort of an unknown date at this point. No, absolutely. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, your content on YouTube, like what 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 do you feature on YouTube? So it's um, some of it is specifically just for sewing, so it's not necessarily costume related. Some of it is cosplay and and, cos- and costume related. So I really enjoy the educational aspect of it, and um, and sort of focusing on like smaller tutorials, sort of based around run specific skill and that people can learn and then build off of themselves to create larger pieces. So I see on your website, and you spoke about this earlier, when it comes to uh, creating your own uh, costumes for others, can you uh, talk about that process for individuals who are interested in cosplay for the very first time? Or for like myself, I'm a huge Star Wars and Marvel fan, and I want to get a costume for myself. Discuss the process with us. Of like how to commission a costume? Yes, that's a word. I was okay. For. So, um, well, first of all, I should say that it is 100% okay to buy like a store made costume. That's totally fine. Like people shouldn't feel like they need to get something custom made for themselves. If they do want to do that, um, to have an individual make it, especially if they're making their own patterns, it's going to be a more expensive option, but you're going to have something that's tailored specifically for your body, which is sometimes really nice. It's going to last you a lot longer, which is really great. Um, there's lots of people out there who take commissions at different levels. Some people specialize in different things. So some people specialize in like 3D printing specific things or like me where I'm really interested in making heavily sewn things because that's sort of my range of expertise. So the first thing would be to find or have recommended to you some people who specialize in what you're specifically looking for mm-hmm. and then to reach out to that person, ask if they're even taking commissions currently, because we usually are only going to book ourselves up for the next, you know, you don't want to book yourself up three years in advance. So you're usually going to be looking at like within the next year. Mm-hmm. And then um, that person will usually give you a quote. And then you can either agree to that quote or not agree to that quote. And then you move forward from there with measurements and other things that you're interested in. I have a Google form on my website that people can go and fill out and it gives me all the information I need right off the bat to get them a quote that we can move forward with. Excellent. And then once an individual agrees to the quote, give us like a timeline of like when the costume's ready to go. It really depends on how far the commissioner is booked up. Mm-hmm. Through like currently I'm booked up through the fall because I'm not doing this full time because I've got like many pans in the fire at the same time. So um, I'm trying to focus on like, depending on how complicated it is, like not more than one or two every couple months. Um, So it really depends if someone has a lot of free time, if they're doing it full time, you could get it that month. Generally, you're going to be looking at like six months down the road, 
I think is Absolutely. more typical. It really depends on the person though. And how it also depends on how long the costume takes to make. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a commitment. It's a commitment. Yeah. And you're usually, everyone works differently. Um, usually you're going to pay a deposit at least up front. That's going to cover the materials and that's usually non-refundable. So just to be mm -hmm. aware of that. And then, um, usually you'll need to pay in full before anybody is going to ship the finished piece to you. Absolutely. Yeah. You wanted to tie this in. So what is like your dream costume that you always wanted to make? Uh, oh, there's, there's a lot on my list. I love Xena warrior princess. Mm. That was like my childhood was like mid nineties, like watching her show. So I would really like to make that costume for myself at some point. I learned how to do some leather working during quarantine. Mm. So I think I finally have the so, somewhat of the chops to, to do it out of real leather, which I think would be cool. Excellent. I've never heard of those shows, but that you've never seen Xena. Oh my gosh. It's wow. like, do you know who Lucy Lawless is? No, she, okay. So with the, so Hercules and then Xena was the spinoff, but Xena was the better show. I think uh, <laughs> it's a New Zealand based show that happened in like the early to mid nineties. And it's like, um, like sword and sandal stuff. So they're like, like oldie timey, um, like Greek mythology sorts of things. It's campy, but in the best way. And it was quite ahead of its time as far as like LGBTQIA situations. So Absolutely. as far as like network TV in the mid nineties. Well, knock on wood, it's like a, a rerun or um, a spinoff this year, I hope. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely uh, some fandoms who would be very excited about that. Well, good. Well, hopefully it's, um, <laughs> I get a hold of it so I can uh, come back to you and just so we can talk about it more. Perfect. <laughs> and then um, you spoke about this earlier, but you talk about conventions. Um, can can mm -hmm. you uh, detail to us like what conventions you have attended? And also it's like, what did you have an opportunity to dress up? Uh, I have been going to C2E2 here in Chicago since 2013, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the big one I go to every year. This was going to be the year that I was going to go out of state some to some other large ones. And then obviously that didn't happen. Um, I did Wonder Woman a couple years ago at C2E2. And that was kind of the first one that I did that really got me involved in like the charity cosplay scene. And um, I've worn that costume a lot since then. And then last year I made an original design of Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. Ooh. And that was, um, I was finally able to compete in the, in the cosplay contest with that one, which is something I'd wanted to do for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that was really fun. Mm -hmm. I didn't know there were like uh, competitions for that. Yeah, there are. And the one at C2E2 is a, I was in the regional one. So it was sort of just the local one, but there's a, so the local one happens. And then in the same show, a bunch of international cosplayers from around the world who have won their qualifying competitions are brought to C2E2 for like the world championship cosplay competition so all the read pop who owns c2e2 all of their competitions from around the world the finalists all compete at c2e2 so it's a big deal okay. um, and there's like real money to be won with them sometimes they're prizes sometimes it's cash 
So, um, you know, it can be up to like five, $5,000, $10,000. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's a first for me. I, I know, yeah. I know like cosplay is more of a fandom and then the convention side, but I definitely did not anticipate more uh, money involved. So that's yeah. the first. <laughs> yeah. There's sort of like different, different, you know, some people are just in a cosplay for the fun of it, hang out with your friends and that's great. But there's a sort of subset of people who really enjoy the competition angle. And so they'll mm-hmm. go and compete at a lot of different things and they'll really produce amazing work. No, that's great to know. And um, do, you, do you know, like, how did you get started with the more competition feel? Of it? Um, I started following some people who were competing and um, it was sort of a, a goal that I had for the last couple of years to at least try the C2E2 one. It's not for everybody. It takes a long time and your sort of whole day is like, prejudging and like waiting around in costume backstage and it's not so it's not for everybody definitely but I wanted to try it at least once mm-hmm. and I had a really good time so I don't know that it'll be my main focus going forward but I I really enjoyed it yeah that's good and we all learned something new right just right now yeah <laughs> uh, I know we spoke or uh, talked earlier about the cosplays for all fandoms and it could be used for any occasion but for, for your clientele do you use see that they're asking for costumes for different occasions like for conventions or just for more partying or just more casual yeah i think some people the majority of people will want them for some convention down the road it Mm -hmm. seems um occasionally for halloween but usually people aren't going to spend quite that much money for a halloween costume uh, oftentimes, they'll also be planning out various photo shoots, either by themselves or with friends with a professional mm-hmm. photographer. So they'll be looking at doing that down the road. Um, and then, like I mentioned before, when I did Wonder Woman, I wanted to wear it more often. So I started doing some activities with some various um, cosplay charity groups, of which there are several in Chicago area. And the one I started with is uh Costumers with a Cause, and they have a Facebook page that people can go to and check them out. And so we do a lot of parades. We do um, Make-A-Wish events. We do um, some hospital visits and sort of general public events like that, which um, can be really rewarding, especially for kids to see characters kind of hanging out with you. So Mm -hmm. um, that... There's some other ones that are more um, like Star Wars has Rebel Legion and the 501st. And so those are um, a little bit harder to get into because Lucasfilm has sort of strict standards on their costuming. They need to be pretty film accurate. So that's a that's something you need to apply for and then they'll they'll let you in. Mm-hmm. And then they do lots of events like that as well. Mm-hmm. So there's different things that you can do with your cosplays besides just going to conventions for sure. I know with our Maker Fest coming up and I know in years past, all cosplay costumes have been pretty legit. So we have a yeah. strong presence in the Chicago area of the cosplay community. And I know you've talk, briefly talked about the more um, charitable aspect of it, but could you uh, talk more of like the phenomenon of the Chicago cosplay community? Uh, you're right. There are a lot of people in the area. Um, 
I mean, you can see just C2E2. When I started going in 2013, I think there were like there were like 40,000 people who went, and I think last year it was approaching 100,000. So it's really the amount of people who come every year, and the cosplay scene that's represented there is pretty massive. A lot of people come in cosplay, and it's, there's a lot to see when you're there. Um, there's a couple different Facebook groups that are around on that uh, cater to cosplayers, various things, um, various interest groups. Um, there's a, a photo shoot group that hooks cosplayers up with um, photographers and everyone kind of gets together and hangs out at a park for the afternoon and you get some pictures taken of yourself, which is fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's great to be in such a large, vibrant city with lots of parks and outdoor things to do and a lot of a lot of interest in the community. And I think there's been some some really interesting groups that have sprung up around that for sure. So as I, in my previous question, um, our Maker Fest is coming up really soon and uh, you are gonna be one of our featured presenters. We're mm -hmm. really excited to have you. Can you just give us a sneak peek for the audience about what your presentation or video could feature? Yeah, so my video for the Maker Fest is going to be around my next build, which is a historical version of Winifred Sanderson from Hocus Pocus, mm -hmm. that iconic movie, again, from the mid nineties. Uh, I'm really dating myself with all of these references, but the uh, <laughs> um, I'm doing a 18th century version of her costume from that movie. So it's um, mm -hmm. sort of like Marie Antoinette sort of thing, if you think about that sort of costume, but in the style of Winifred Sanderson. So I, in my video, I'm showing one part of that build, which is, uh, how to take a basic character shoe and turn it into like a period witchy shoe with a pointed curly toe. Um, so it was a pretty fun little project that we did and I hope that people like it. Hey, I hope so too. It, it was a great presentation, by the way. Thank you. All right. And then for my last question for you, it's just like if people want to know more about your work or want to get in contact with you about uh, commission a, a costume, where can people go? I have a website, which is paisleyandglue.com. And there's a whole page there just on commissions. And then the commission form there is a Google form that they can click through to fill that out. Um, as far as social media goes, I'm most active on Instagram currently. Um, and then my YouTube content is also Paisley and Glue, sort of across all social media. That's what I'm, what I'm on. Um, but I would say YouTube and Instagram are sort of my main focuses at this moment. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. And we hope to the audience to see your presentation in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Thank you so much. I would like to thank Maggie for spending time with us today and in detailing her work and presentation for our MakerFest this year. To find her work, you can go to paisleyandglue.com. Again, it's paisleyandglue.com. And then lastly, let's talk about our MakerFest this year. On Saturday, February 27th from 12 to 4, all ages are welcome to join us for our virtual celebration of art, crafts, engineering, technology, and the DIY movement. To register for our MakerFest, just visit www.nileslibrary.org. Again, it's nileslibrary.org to register and for the latest update on MakerFest. We hope you enjoy this podcast and we hope to see you on MakerFest.